Every journey begins with a first step. The path is rarely clear, filled with challenges and distractions that pull us away from our ultimate goal. But we can be ready, ready to run the race, to fan the flame, to fight the good fight. With courage and persistence, each step brings us closer. And even though we can't see the finish line, we can be ready for it. Look to the end, run hard, and finish well. Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning, church, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here. Uh, my mom's here, so happy Mother's Day, mom, and uh, my wife, who is an amazing mom, and just so grateful, so thankful, and, and all you moms, you, you know, you're impacting generations, and, and we just want to thank you for your sacrifice, for your love, and for your dedication. You, you guys are making such a difference, and we love you, and we celebrate you today. Also, welcome back to a series. We, we started this series last week uh, called Finish Well, and this is an incredible series. And just the feedback last week about people, what God is speaking to us, what God is challenging us in this life to finish well, to run this race marked out for us. Now, some of you, you kind of keep up with the royal family, right? I mean, I know some of you talk about it, you've kind of been watching, you know, Prince William and Princess Kate, and you know that recently they had a new baby, and that kind of knocked Harry down the list. Now he's down to like sixth in line for the throne, so he kind of keeps falling because they keep having babies. He kind of is going down, but he's getting married, so everything's okay for him, you know, but, but you look at that, and you think, okay, here's this precious baby that was born. This baby's going to grow up in a palace and have a castle and all this, but really we're not going to know the impact of this baby's life until he lives it out. Right? I mean, just because he was born, I mean, that's great, but, but he's got to live it out. He's got to put it into practice. Now, for those of you who don't keep up with the royal family like me, uh, you probably keep up with the NFL, and uh, that's more my style and my speed. So you know that the Cleveland Browns just had the number one draft pick, right? Again, shocker, right? Okay, so they get the number one draft pick again, and shocker, they take another quarterback, right? So they take a quarterback. Baker Mayfield is now the quarterback, number one draft pick. Now, we don't know, you know, Baker Mayfield had a great college career, but we can't judge that pick yet, whether that is a draft bust or whether that was a great pick at number one until we know what he does on the field, right? We don't know. I mean, it's going to take years from now until we look back and we go, hey, he threw so many touchdowns or he won so many games that we go, that was a great pick. Or we look back and go, wow, why did they do that? You see, in our lives, right, all of us, we've had a great start. I mean, we just have. I mean, where we were born in the United States of America, the opportunities that we have, the education that we have access to, all this, we've had a great start. You've had a great start. I've had a great start. But it's not how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And my prayer for all of us, my prayer for all of us is that we would finish well. That we as a church would finish well, but you individually, that you would run this race marked out for you, that God has given you this time in history, and that you would finish well. So in our series, we're, we're looking at this book in the Bible called 2 Timothy, and it was written by the Apostle Paul. And it's actually Paul's last letter that he ever wrote. You know, Paul who wrote like half the New Testament. But his last letter, he's in prison in Rome under Emperor Nero. He's in prison for being a Christ follower, for planting all these churches. And Paul knows, I'm not getting out of here alive, okay? I mean, like, I mean, that's it. I'm done. 
And so with one last letter, he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. Now, maybe you can think about in your life, if you had one letter to write, you know, who would you write that to? Uh, maybe your children, you know, or, or maybe to somebody who poured into you or something. But Paul chooses this guy, Timothy. And Timothy is a guy who had a great mom and a great grandmother. I mean, they poured into him. They gave him a spiritual foundation. His dad wasn't a believer. His dad was Greek. He didn't go to church with them. But, but man, they gave Timothy a, a spiritual foundation. Then Timothy went on mission trips with Paul. And he planted churches. He was probably pastoring the church at Ephesus when Paul writes to him. And he says, Timothy, you've had a great start. You've had a great start. But listen, your life's going to be measured by how you finish. And I want you to finish well. Now think about this. When Paul writes this letter, right, it's not like email where you hit send. It's like instantaneous. Okay, there you go. Here's my letter. I'm going to hold on to this. When Paul writes this letter, then somebody's got to come to the, to the jail cell and get the letter. It was probably a dungeon back then. Then they've got to go from Rome all the way over to Ephesus. And there's a really good chance that Paul would have died before Timothy read this letter. Can you imagine getting a letter from like your mom or dad or grandparent or somebody or a spiritual mentor who's gone on before you and all of a sudden they're already in heaven and then this letter appears? I mean, wouldn't you cherish that? We just hold on and you're like, man, look at this. You, it would be gold to you. And it was to Timothy. And now 2,000 years later, it's gold to us. God's saying to us, here's how you finish well. I want you to know this. Treasure this. Because this is how I want you to do it. And watch this unfold today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. New Testament. If you have a Bible, it's in the T section, right? First, second Thessalonians, first, second Timothy, Titus. That's how I remember it. It's all with the T's kind of right there together. Toward the back of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one. You can write in it and make it your Bible. It's free from us. And uh, also, we'll put the words on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word has to say. Or if you have a mobile device, you can access the Scripture there. So last week, we were in Second Timothy chapter 1. And, and here's what Paul says to it there. He says, hey, Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. And maybe you walked in today and you just had this fear. I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's a worry or an anxiety. But just know this, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. God gave you a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. And so then he comes to chapter 2 and he says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He goes, you be strong. And if you go back to chapter 1, that was what Paul was talking about. He Kind of the word was courage. I want you to be courageous, I, even in the midst of suffering, even when you go through hard times or difficulties. I mean, you imagine Paul's writing this from prison, and he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you're going to go through some struggles. Believers, today, 2018, you're going to go through some struggles. You're going to face some difficulties. We live in a fallen, broken world. But Paul and God would say to us, you stay strong. You stay mature. You hold on. God's going to bring you through it. God's working there. And many times it's in those struggles that we learn the most. We grow the most. Stay strong. Verse 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. All right? So as you look at this, if you're taking notes today, here's the first blank. It's this, persistence. If you kind of sum up chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is talking about persistence staying strong, going forward. And then he says, hey, listen, Timothy, you've got a responsibility. And the responsibility to pass on what has been entrusted to you. So here's Paul writing from prison to Timothy. 
And he's saying, Timothy, now you take what I've taught you and you pour it into others. You know, you pour it into others. If you're a dad or mom, you're pouring it into the next generation or the people you teach at community group or the children, preschool children, students that you work with on Sunday mornings or those that you're passing it on. William Barclay, he's a, a Bible scholar, a teacher, you know, and, and he writes a lot of commentaries, but he says, hey, as Christians, we are a link between two generations. I love that. We're a link between two generations. There's people who poured into us, and now it's our turn to pour into others. And what are we passing on? What are we teaching them? And then you come to verse 3, and we see this, the importance of dedication. Here's how he tells us. Here's how to finish well. He says, verse 3, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect, verse 7, on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So let's reflect for a minute. What is he saying? He's saying this, that you and I ought to be dedicated to what God has called us to. The importance of dedication, of living it out. He gives these three examples, right? The first example is a soldier. A soldier. And he says, a soldier, they're on a mission. They're not worried about civilian affairs. They're not kind of getting mixed up in all those things. They are on a mission. About a year ago, we were on a mission trip with our church. We were in Moldova. And I remember uh, one night we had gone out. We were working in the mission field and working in these different orphanages. And we came back. We were staying at this hotel just for the night. And, and I heard people speaking English. And so I went downstairs. And I walked up and I saw these guys. And they were Army Rangers, U.S. Army Rangers, Special Forces. And they were there to train the Moldovan Special Forces called the Scorpions. And I walked down. And, I mean, these guys, these Army Rangers, Special Forces, U.S. guys, I mean, they're big, Okay. I mean, it's like you take a, a head and put it on top of a refrigerator. I mean, it's like that big. <laughs> like, like, hey, guys, you know, we're on the same team, right? You know, hey, us, Marie, you know, right here. And, and I started talking to these guys, and these guys were kind. They were polite. They were massive, but they were on a mission. And, and I was talking to them, and, and we had this great conversation, and it was just awesome being with these guys. But never once did they say, hey, um, how are the Kardashians doing? You know, like, what's going on back in the stage? They didn't care. Why? Because they were on a mission. And what they were doing was important. And it was impacting lives. See, what God's saying to us is, hey, you're on a mission. <laughs> you're part of the army of God. <laughs> right? Listen, don't, don't get distracted with all these civilian things that are out there that's just kind of nonsense. You go forward. Go forward. And I just wonder, are we living on mission? Or do we get distracted? So he says, you're a soldier. You listen to your commanding officer. Do what God says. Or an athlete. An athlete. You know, some of you, you've, you've met like Olympic athletes or professional athletes. And you know, right? I mean, those guys, those men and women, man, they, they take care of what goes into their body. They watch what they eat. They watch when they go to sleep. They, they you know, everything is dedicated because they're competing in a game. And they want to win, and they're looking for every edge. They want to, you know, I want to do this right because I want to win the prize. He's going, hey, same with you as believers. Come on. Right? This isn't something I accepted Christ when I was eight, and I'm going to kind of do my own thing, right? And I'll see you, God, but I, you know, kind of get toward the end of my life. No, it's like I'm dedicated. This is important to me. 
It impacts all of my life. And then he gives the third example. And he says, a farmer. A farmer. He says, a hard-working farmer, right? I don't think there is a lazy farmer because, I mean, farming is hard work, right? I mean, you got to prepare the soil. You got to plant the seed. You got to water it. You got to weed it. You know, you got to harvest it. You're getting up before the sun comes up. You're doing this work. But he says, you as believers, right, ought to be hardworking in our faith. That we don't work hard to earn our salvation. It is a free gift of God. But when you are saved, right, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's how you grow. It's how you mature. You're planting seeds of the gospel. And so he says, you be dedicated in that. You make that part of your life. And then he keeps going here in verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ. He goes, think about what Jesus did. Think about what Jesus endured for you. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word's not chained. Paul goes, I'm in prison, I'm suffering, but but God's word is alive and it's impacting lives. You, You know the word of God, it's the number one bestseller every year. Number one bestseller of all time, why? Because it's alive. It changes people's hearts and lives. It's not just another book. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Now, when elect is used here in this sense, in this context, it's talking about the children of Israel. Okay, Paul had a heart for his own people. He wanted all of his own people to know. And many Jews gave their lives to Christ, right? They were part of the early church, Jewish Christians. And then churches were being planted all over, continue, even today, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. And then you see there's kind of a, a song, a worship song or a hymn. And this is something they would have sang in church. Like we have our songs. You know, I love our worship team. I mean, it's awesome. I just love coming before the throne of God and worship with our worship team. But this is one of the songs they probably sing in church. And it went like this. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Now, what's that? It's baptism, isn't it? You're dying to your old way of life. You're raised to walk a new life. And for some of you, maybe God's speaking to you about taking that next step of faith or obedience. Hey, I need to be baptized. I want to make that declaration of my faith. Verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him, right? I want to finish well. I want to finish strong. If we disown him, he will also disown us. What what does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about that there's only one unpardonable sin, and it's this, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That means this, as God has drawn you to himself and inviting you into a relationship, you say, no, Uh uh-uh. God, I don't want you. I'm going to live life for myself. I'm going to do it my way. No. No. But for all of us who have come to that point that we realize, hey, I need a Savior. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to come in. It says in verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Now, I love that. I mean, if we are faithless, there's going to be times that we struggle in this race of life. There's going to be times that we stumble and that we fall, but there's a God who is there who is always faithful, reaching down and picking us up and lifting us up and cheering us on and saying, you go, you go. In your Christian walk or Christian life, man, is there a dedication? I'm in this. I'm in this for life. I'm in this for real. And then he keeps going. He talks about the importance of hard work. Look at verse 14. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God 
as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So you see this, right? You see the dedication. Then you see the importance of hard work. You know? Hey, work it out. Then work it out. And then Paul says to Timothy, hey, Paul challenges Timothy to not just talk, but to be a workman. You know, there's a lot of people that want to talk about it, right? They talk a good game. Hey, man, I want to talk about this or that. But he says, hey, let your talk equal your walk. You know, live it out. And I love verse 16 where he says, avoid godless chatter. We live in a world of godless chatter, don't we? There's godless chatter going on all the time, right? We got all kinds of talk shows and, you know, there's political talk shows, a radio, a TV, there's, there's sports talk, there's, you know, celebrity talk and, and all this stuff. There's a lot of people who want to talk. Just talk, 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 talk. I mean, there's a lot of people who want to talk about it. But, but Paul's saying you put it into action. I mean, live it out. I mean, what if everybody who talked about it said, hey, I can make a difference. I can help. I can give back. I can be generous. I can be kind. I mean, we would all of a sudden see things change. Jesus said the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Right? And church just isn't being about a consumer. It's a contributor. It's for us to put into action, for us to live it out. So he says, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene among those are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. And they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. He goes, guys, there's talk about it. And there's so many people that are talking that they've kind of even talked themselves out of what's truth. You know? I mean, make sure that your words match up with doctrine. And then he gives this illustration. He says in verse 20, in a large house, so he says, think about a house. There are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. He's like, you need to be useful. You need to be used every day. Uh, when I was growing up uh, in our house, whenever we'd run out of dishes, there were some special dishes, but we couldn't use those dishes. And I'd be like, Mom, why can't we use those plates? And she would say, well, those are china. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, I mean, but it's a plate, right? Well, yeah, it's a plate, but it, I got it at our wedding, and so you, you can't use it. It's only special occasions. And I'm like, okay, it's a plate, right? So, but there's a plate over there. I don't have a plate, and there's a plate, but I can't use that plate because it's only special occasions. Well, then the special occasions would come, and I would say, well, what about those plates? No, we can't use those plates because they can't go in the dishwasher. They have to be hand-washed. I'm like, but it's a plate, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I, like, I got a plate, you know. And then there were other plates that had, like, Christmas pictures on them. We only use those at Christmas. You know, you couldn't use those any other time. And I'm like, but I need a plate. I don't have a plate. Well, use a paper towel because... But that's a plate, you know? It's like, and I think what Paul is saying is, hey, don't just be up there where your faith like shows up only on special occasions. And like, hey, all right, put me in, right? You know, it's a special thing, it's Christmas, it's Easter, I'm gonna show up then, and I'm gonna, you know, be a Christian then. No, make it everyday use. Like your faith ought to move from Sunday into Monday, and Monday into Tuesday, and Tuesday into Wednesday. Your faith ought to impact every day. And what happens when you begin to live it out every day? 
Then all of a sudden it becomes special. Then all of a sudden you're like, hey, man, God's using me and I don't even know why or how. I'm not even worth that much. But God's got a plan and God's got a purpose. I want to be used. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Be used. You know, put your faith into action. Do something with it. Don't just talk about it. Live it out. Live it out. And then he comes to verse 22. In verse 22, he kind of starts to talk about the importance of focus. And he says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Think about this, guys. Flee the evil desires of youth. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. Instead of fleeing, we flirt, right? If you go back and you think about your life, what are those evil desires when you were like in middle school or high school or college? And, and man, Satan just had you there, right? Maybe for you it was lust. Maybe it was greed. Maybe for you it was alcoholism. I don't know what it was, but, but you were just there. And Paul's going, listen, as you grow older, you need to get rid of those things. Run away, Timothy. But instead, many times what we do is we go, oh, how close to the line can I get? I like the attention. And so instead of fleeing, we flirt. Right? And, and Satan's going, man, I got them. You know, I mean, they've been dealing with this since middle school. They're still dealing with this, right? I, and I'm not saying any of us are perfect, but at some point we go, i got to put those childish ways behind me. I've got to move on. He goes, hey, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue these things, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And what happens when you start putting that in your mind, all of a sudden all those other things go away. It doesn't mean that they doesn't kind of trip you up every now and then, but you're starting to put good things in your mind, good things in your heart. Focus on what makes a difference. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Guys, isn't that so true? Satan, Satan always wants to come in and destroy relationships, right? And many times he does it with just like foolish arguments. You know, at our house, right, we got three girls. They're awesome. They're amazing. But sometimes they'll get in arguments over things. And, and I'm like, what are you arguing about, right? And it's a stuffed animal. I mean, like, are you kidding me? I mean, you're arguing over this. This is foolish. But we do that too, right? And sometimes Lisa and I, my wife, will get a disagreement. And then we'll go, wait, wait, wait. What are we even arguing about? I mean, I mean, really, is it that big of a deal? No. It's foolish. And we'll look at each other and we'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're on the same team here. We want the best for each other. We're in a family. We want the best for one another. And I think about how many relationships Satan has destroyed over foolish things. And in our lives, man, we just got to be humble enough to say, hey, that's foolish. Move that out. We have a great marriage. We want to have a great marriage. We want to have a great family. We're not going to let Satan get a foothold there. And maybe if you're here today, there's something, you have a rift with somebody else, and you start to kind of replay it, and you go, you know what? That was foolish. Don't just have a rift with that person. Go back and offer forgiveness or ask for forgiveness or just say, hey, I want us to be on the same team I want us to have the same mission. I want us to go forward. And, and, and listen, and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. He's like, God's got a plan and God's got a purpose. 
Trust in him. Focus on what matters. So you see the importance of dedication, the importance of hard work, but you also see the importance of focus. Focusing your life. Focusing your life on the things that are going to last, things that are going to matter. So Paul challenges Timothy. He challenges him to say, hey, don't just invest in the trivial. Don't waste time on the trivial matters. There's things in this life that are trivial. There's things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Don't waste time on that. But instead, invest on what will last for eternity. Invest in what, you know what? There's only three things that are going to last for eternity. Only three things. God, God's word, and people. I tell you, those are the three things that are going to last for eternity. And so if you and I could start to say, I want to focus my life on those things. I want to focus my life. All this light in this room, it's great. It helps us read our Bibles, helps us worship, helps us see one another. But if you start to focus this light, you know how much power there is? Remember being a kid and you had a magnifying glass, you would go out and you'd like try to set things on fire like grass or something because that light was focused. You think about a laser, that light focused, it will go through steel. Can you imagine a life focused like that? You see, what happens when you live this life of dedication, this life of hard work, this life, what results is a life that finishes well and it's legacy. It's a legacy. And it's passed on, it's passed on. See, the Apostle Paul finished well. Yeah, he died for his faith. Yeah, he was executed for being a Christian. But he passed it on to Timothy. Timothy lived it well, and he passed it on. And he passed it on to the early church fathers, and they passed it on, they passed it on, they passed it on. And think about this. Here's the Apostle Paul in prison under Emperor Nero, the most powerful empire, the Roman Empire, dominated the world in persecuting Christians. And Paul's in the dungeon there. But because he stayed faithful and God began to move and God began to work, within 250 years, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome. Changes the entire empire from the inside out. You, see, you, you can change your entire family tree you can impact your neighbor. You can impact your country. You can impact the world for the glory of God. That's the power of a life lived for the glory of God. That's the power of a life that finishes well. And you and I, we build our futures one day at a time. One day at a time. And when you and I focus on that finish line, and that finish line is Jesus. That finish line is not how much money can I get in my 401k. Once I get to there, whoo, I'm good. But that finish line is not the corner of it. That finish line is not, you know, hey, when my kids are out of school. That finish line is Jesus. And then I'm running to Jesus, and I'm falling into the arms of Jesus. When I run that kind of life, there is a legacy that is left that impacts generations. And that's God's call to you and to me. You know, starting well, that's a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. And that's God's heartbeat for you. There's a guy in our church, uh, Tim Burke, and um, about six years ago, some of you know the story, about six years ago, living in Southern California, amazing wife, two kids, and the doctor told him, you, you have prostate cancer. So he moves here. He said, you know, we came thinking we were coming for Vanderbilt, um, but God was really bringing us to Rolling Hills because God knew what I was going to go through and that we needed a church, we needed a family. 
church family to be there with us for my wife and for my two kids who are in high school now. Just a few months ago, the doctors came and said, you've got 90 days. 90 days. What would you do if you had 90 days? 90 days on this earth. And so we sat down with Tim and said, you know, the Apostle Paul was writing his last letter. Tim, what are you doing? What are you saying? What difference are you making as you strive to finish well? Watch this. Tim, how has God sustained you through all this? Because we're all going to die. But I think we're all saying, how are we going to do it? Uh, and, uh, and none of us have been through that. And so we're all, there's, there's apprehension, there's fear, there's, you know, just curiosity. How am I going to handle this time? And any one of us could be sitting where you are. But by the grace of God, you have walked through this in a way that you've honored God. You've put him first. You've shared Christ with about everybody that you know. Um, you've honored your wife and your kids. How has God sustained you through this? I've tried to just talk when I felt like God really laid something on my heart, right? And I'm not a, a guy who scripts it all out. I mean, I, I'm just gonna talk from my heart. And usually the Lord has given me a verse, something that I really wanna focus on. I believe with my whole heart that it's just all about, it's, first of all, it's all about Jesus. And when you mention Jesus, whether you're writing or you're saying his name, it's just magnetic. People come. It's nothing about Tim Burke. And so our approach has been um, God is sovereign. God did not cause my cancer, but God did allow it. That concept seems like it has um, really touched people and that instead of immediately praying, God, take away my cancer or take away whatever adversity you're facing in your life, to first say, why did you allow it, God? I think has resonated with people, Jeff. Nothing that I'm sharing is that deep theologically, right? And so why is it then that, and, and I mean this to be an encouragement to people, why is it, why aren't there more people out sharing you know, kind of the warts of their life, the yeah. things that are, are not great because, you know, uh, Facebook, some of these things are, they're just like, you, you know, your lifestyles of the rich are famous and they're putting out things about their life. Look, it's great, like we show the pictures of our kids and all that kind of stuff. I think that, that people are hesitant to get on social media and talk about Christ because their life isn't as consistent as they would like it to be. Um, you may be living Jesus Christ out in front of your family and people that are close to you, but maybe you're not doing it at work. And so they're scared. They're scared to share it because they feel like I'm not as consistent as I need to be. And that's something that everybody is gonna have to take a look at because if my life on, and what's happened on social media tells anything, it is that people want to hear about Jesus. I'm a no-name kid from Detroit, right? Looking at my last few weeks on this planet, and I'm talking about cancer and the fact that God has used it for good in my life, 
and I got 700 friends on Facebook and 26,000 people are viewing it, that's Jesus. That has nothing to do with me. And so please take that as an encouragement that God wants you to share that. And it doesn't have to be cancer. I mean, we deal with things in our life. We deal with different forms of adversity and people need help and they need to understand how do I deal with this issue? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's their career, right? Maybe it's problems with uh, their children and, and, and uh, the dissension at home. And you have unbelievable people to be able to help them and to direct them using Jesus Christ. Step up. Let's do it. That's what people want. They don't, they're not listening to Tim Burke. This is all about Jesus. That's what they want. I don't know who those 26,000 people are. They're all over the planet. They're people from Africa. But it's the fact that here's a guy talking to them about Jesus Christ in the last days of his life. That means something. So whatever time I have left, if God's got future, you know, future messages, uh, I'm going to do it. And that's part of my exhaustion as I leave. I just want to walk out knowing I used up all my words for Christ. I used them all up. And I don't know if then when I take my last breath, like you and I have discussed this, is my first breath seeing Jesus, right? I think about that. I've read everything I can about heaven. And I believe that we don't walk in there with pain. But it's hard for me to believe, Jeff, that I can, I can look Jesus in the eyes when I first see him. I just feel like, yeah, I'll go to my knees, right? And then eventually he'll raise me up. I just want to see him first. So that's where my head is. It's like, I'm gonna do everything I can up until my last breath because I know my first breath, what that's gonna look like. And then, uh, then I'll see everybody else, right? Then I'll see everybody else. Guys, we don't know how long we have here, but I pray for every one of us that we finish well. I pray that we would invest in the things that matter and we wouldn't miss it, that we wouldn't waste our lives in this opportunity ahead of us. Because God is with us and God is for us. But where are you today? Where are you in your spiritual journey, your spiritual walk? Has there been a time that you've started the journey? Has there been a time that you've said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life? You know, don't just continue to push God away. God's drawing you to himself. God's inviting you into this lifelong relationship that gets sweeter and sweeter all the time. And God sent his own son to die for you so that you could have eternal life with him. Receive him today. But then on the journey, on the journey, stay focused. Don't get distracted. And don't get consumed with foolish and stupid arguments, you know? Don't just continue to, to, to follow after the evil desires of you. Go after the things of God. Live for him. Because God is with you and God is for you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. This is you and God. <laughs> the God of the universe, the God who created this world, the God who created you. You're not an accident. God put you here for this time. 
You remember right where you sit? You just say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I need hope. I need help. I need you. And maybe today you say, I just got to confess, God, I've been running after things in this world, things that are trivial. And God, I want to be focused. I want to be the husband or the father, the, the wife, the mother. I want to be the, the roommate. I want to be the student. I want to be a man or a woman after your heart. God, don't we miss it. Don't we get distracted. Maybe there's some sins that just have you. <laughs> you see, you say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live for you. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. And, Father God, I pray for every one of us that we would finish well. Whatever time we have on this earth, whether it's a day, a week, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, God, just let us run the race marked out for us. Our legacy is built one day at a time. So, Father, every day, just opening our hands and saying, here I am, God. Use me for your glory. So God, meet us in this moment. Change us. Grow us. Mature us, Father. That we recognize that we'll go through hard times and difficulties, but God, you will never give up on us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Paul and his example and Tim and the way you speak to us today. And we love you, Father. And we dedicate our lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.